back at me I'ma be my own centerpiece So tell her, don't be your own worst enemy You're the only one to say that I wanna be a man and I get older I'm like, I'll make a supernova Goodbye, goodbye to all these familiars Goodbye, goodbye I'm like, I'm like Okay, can you hear us now? I can. All right, thanks. I'm not sure what happened, but I'm sure glad that you called back. Oh, good. (laughs) That's great. So welcome to the show. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Technology, you have to love it, right? Love that relationship. You never know we're in technology, right? No, but I sure am grateful that you called back. So tell our guests a little bit about you. I know your name. I know that we met through the NASDAQ Milestone Maker Program. But gosh, what is Savitude and why did you start it and all of that good stuff? Oh, gosh. Um, Well... How much time do we have? Oh, we have as much time as you want. <laughs> um, no, I'm joking with you. Um, so I was born in Alaska. I think that's important. So um, I started out with a, um, somewhat a different point of view. Um, I think that because of that. Um, and I started, I moved to Washington, D.C. and grew up with a government academic point of view and thought industry was very foreign. Um, industry uh, companies was really the bad guys. Um, so it's really odd that now I've come around to being a serial entrepreneur. So uh, when I left school, I was an electron microscopist, formally trained, um, having worked at Oxford and the University of Maryland Medical School. And then at Johnson & Johnson, then at Beckton Dickinson, uh, I got an MBA at night. And I moved into a new career in venture capital in Manhattan. And they moved me out to California. Um, And that lasted about four years, uh, long enough for me to realize I really did not like venture capital, Um, at least being on that side of the table. uh, I appreciate what they do. Um, I have a question for you. Pardon? I have a question for you. So some of yeah. our listeners, especially the ones that are in the room with us right now, mm-hmm. um, they're interns. They may not know what venture capitals, uh, venture capital companies are. You want to explain that for us? Venture capital is, so there is a large world of investment opportunity. Um, and um, so that ranges in safety um banks are considered pretty safe mm-hmm. um and then you know there are different kinds of investment and venture capital is considered uh fairly risky um where one in a hundred or two in a hundred might succeed so it's pretty risky um and so there are organizations of partnerships that are formed by people who supposedly know what they're doing Mm-hmm. They collect, you know, millions of dollars to invest in new companies. And they only invest in companies that uh, um, they believe will grow up to be about at least a billion dollars in valuation. Yeah. Um, and that is venture capital. Yes. Yeah. So I appreciate you taking a little pause there because, as you know, you know, there's Intern Whisper. It's all about interns also. But um, there's this sometimes this area well they go i don't know what that means and for the purpose of other listeners that are not necessarily interns you know that 
is a term that uh, established businesses may still not know. So that's where you and I are running. We're looking for those companies or uh, organizations, uh, partnerships that want to invest in companies like yours or mine. Yes, right. 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 But there are a lot of young people who want to get jobs in venture capital. um, And I just really want to discourage people from doing that because I don't think it's a great place to work. Um, I don't think you learn values. Um, I don't really think you learn good business uh, thinking. Um, I think it's something you do after you've learned how to run a business and what a business looks like. Um, and I, I just, I think people are going there, uh, when they're young to go after money. Um, and there's better ways to make money, like oh, yeah. making it off when your own skill, not off this, the hard work of someone else's back. That is true. Um, but that's my view. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So anyway, I had interrupted that story. So, uh, so I was a venture capitalist, and I jumped to the other side to be a serial entrepreneur. Um, and I was in the medical world, um, and I founded about five companies on that side. Um, the last two were predictive modeling companies. Um, the first one was in uh, cl- simulating clinical trials, and that company went public. And then right after that, I did another one that predicted the how a drug molecule would behave in the body um, before you did any clinical trials uh, or any kind of testing. And then we were acquired for about $100 million a year after we launched it. Holy so, you see, you, you can make more money as an entrepreneur if you know what you're doing. That is um, amazing. So after that, I had had enough of um, uh, that doing that and thought I was retiring and spent time with my family and ended up doing another degree, uh, master's in fashion and textile design, just for kind of for fun. Um, And I ended up graduating with uh, and launching my own label, uh, launched an e-commerce label um, on uh, at the Lincoln Center runway um during mercedes-benz fashion week wow and i had that e-commerce label for five years and there i learned about the problems in fashion and there are two of them one is a problem of returns and that was because of issues with fit um and i thought i must have missed a day of school when they taught fit and why was I getting returns and having issues with fit and I thought it was my problem but then I realized it's really an industry problem I wasn't any worse off than anybody else Um, but I realized I could solve the problem using approaches I had used in the other predictive modeling companies so this is a very funny side is that I picked up my engineer, my chief technical officer, who was my, I've known him since he was in fifth grade. Um, He did children's theater with my son. Um, So um, when you're, um, so that's good advice to your audience is pay attention to your friend's parents (laughs) as you make it a job there uh, um, in their companies. So this happens to be a really good match with, uh, for Nick and I, we 
are well suited because I'm the creative, I'm a lateral thinker and he's unbelievably strong technically. And the lateral thinker technically, um, and together we've been able to um, put together uh, a pretty interesting solution here at Savitude. So that's a really interesting uh, path that you've had. You went from all of this predictive modeling is something that's consistent through every single one of your companies. That's obvious. But you went from this total different industry from healthcare, medical, into fashion. I cannot (laughs) imagine two totally different dichotomies there. Well, yeah. And then starting off in, yeah, yeah. So it's been, you know, science, business, and now the art side, and now back into computer. So it's, so I was thinking today in preparation for this that I started out as an, as an electron microscopist and it's really kind of close to what we're doing now where we're designing inside AI. We're designing fashion using AI and I have to say I get the same thrills that I did when I did scanning electron microscopy. Your vocabulary is like, I could not even spell those if I was in a spelling contest. That would be so hard for me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm going to well, have to go really look those words up. and narrow. It's narrow. <laughs> ah, yeah, it's very niche. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. So I, I really um, appreciate, I mean, this sounds like rocket science almost to me, but I know it's not rocket science, but it's definitely a high-level science, that's for sure. What we're doing now? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I am so excited about what we're doing. Um, We believed in what we were doing before, um, and now we're like, oh, my God, we are doing some really cool stuff. Um, And I think we're about to kind of explode. I mean, I can, um, you know, you just have a feeling as things go along. And the point we're at, you know, is uh, kind of thrilling. Um, We started off building a system that reverse engineered how a fashion designer thinks. Um, And and this is a very different approach than anyone else has taken to solving this problem. And we built this to help recommend clothes to women, um, to... to, uh, help people understand that there are different body shapes and that's okay. Um, And that our our whole thing is that fashion industry is focused on the hourglass body shape. And um, a lot of women kind of look badly at themselves in the mirror because they don't have an hourglass body shape and they're not of average proportion and they say, well, gosh, I wish I could get rid of this or change that. And they strive through, sometimes through most of their life to, or hate themselves for most of their life because of it. And we just say, you know, too bad about that. That is just wrong. Um, you, we have trained our minds to look at an hourglass body shape. But if you look at your own body shape, you know, you realize that you look pretty darn good and you can look good. Um, so we've, um, just launched on our website, oh my gosh, I think 750 images of women at different body shapes and different weights, um, and how they can look. Yeah. Um, I took a quiz. 
at the top yeah. of your page. I really like your website. It's really beautiful. Um, so why don't you tell our listeners uh, a little bit about that site? You know, it's Savitude.com. Yeah, Savitude.com. Yeah, and you can look at um, the you there. Under cut, uh, cut and curves, you can see there are not pages for each of the nine body shapes, and you can look at the suggestions on how to dress um, optimally, what, which dress shapes are best for you. Um, and if you happen to have shapes that aren't ideal, we give you tips on how to make adapt them for you. Um, so it's a pretty realistic, uh, practical way of looking at clothes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, when I took the quiz, it was, I think, like nine questions. It wasn't a lot of questions, so it didn't take... Uh, six. Six, yeah. It was really fast, and I was just identifying various parts of the body to say which one looks like you, right? Yeah. And then there uh, pops a screen and says, here's some suggested um, fashion outfits that you should consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. You can also go to a place on there and it will tell you from the fall runway season which items from all of the designers will work with your body shape. I don't think I went far enough down the page. I'm going to have to go do that. So it's in the middle of cut and curves. You can find that link. Okay. I'm going to go and check that out. But also for our listeners, now I know, um, I don't think the ladies in the room did this with, uh, with your site yet. I'm not sure. But I know some of the other ones. We were having a meeting with the team, and they went and they tested out your quiz, and they said, oh, yeah, I would wear this. And they liked the outfits that were displayed. So, oh, good. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Now, Thank you. How do we, is this a subscription? How do we engage with the site? Yeah, so we're B2B. Um, so we um, sell to retailers. We license our technology to retailers. Um, and so we need to wait for them to license our technology. We put it on their system, and then they then you need to go there. So there's uh, so we don't sell directly to or offer our technology directly to the consumer. Gotcha. Yeah. So we're at the mercy of others um, uh, becoming convinced in licensing the technology. Do they get to white label it? And just so our... our so we just yeah. drop a quiz on their e-commerce site, and that's, that's it. So there's not a real question about white labeling it. It's just six questions is all that the consumer would see from us. Everything else is up in the, in, uh, the cloud. And behind the scenes, we are sorting, classifying and sorting all of the assortment in the e-commerce site. And so we'll, we'll put together looks and assemble, accessorize it for you. Very nice. So, yeah. So it's really cool. If you're a retailer, you should talk to us. If you're a consumer, tell your stores to call us. <laughs> so how do you think that this is going to change like 10, 20 years out? Um, do you still think that... And I'll throw several questions at you. Do you still think that people will go to stores to look for fashion? Do you think that they're going to order online? What do you think will well, happen? Well, in that the area? first, the first big change. I think uh, I didn't get to talk about this yet. Is that well, we just we the part that I talked about so far is our recommendation technology. So we took that and 
turned it upside down a little bit um, so that we can now design original creations using our technology. So we have built a very powerful visual recognition technology that can read fashion images and identify the design details. And from that, we can make recommendations. So what we now can do is with that very same visual recognition technology, look at thematic images, non-fashion related images, but inspirational images, and look for hints of design details. And from that, turn them into new creations. Um, and that we were just able to do that this summer and that's really exciting. And we're marrying that capability with some new technology where that simulates how fashion flows in 3D. So you can actually, once you've created the outfit, you identify the fabric, you can see how it will flow and form around the body. Wow. So you actually see the whole simulation before you even cut anything. So when you were first talking about how um, people are picking up on fashion, or I'm not, I, I need an example of it because I'm trying to see the dots in there uh, or connect the dots for myself. The, would that be where a designer, um, they're sketching something out maybe on like a, an iPad and then it's the technology is taking those images, those drafts that they create, um, and seeing how it begins to change over time, over, I, I'm not uh, sure how that works. Uh, okay, so, um, um, so a designer can go to a, um, let me see, uh, I, so do you know Chihuly, the glass uh, yes. artist? Okay, has a very distinct color and fluid form of glass. And it can be really terrific inspiration for clothing. Can you imagine what that might be like? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So um, we did, I once did a collection um, based on Chihuly and uh, sewed it out and made it. Um, and we also took those very same images and put them in our AI system to see what AI showed. Um, and it used those same images and created uh, clothes from those images in the very same um, process that I did in my own head, it did in the computer. Wow. It's, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Do you think that um, people will still continue to create the fashion or the, yeah, the yeah, machines absolutely. will get ahead of yeah. us? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because you need somebody to come up with the idea. I mean, you need someone to walk the earth and see the beauty and, and um, the earth and nature and to know what fashion is uh, art form of what is happening in society. And you need a designer to do that. You need a designer to make a decision because our system puts out six trillion possibilities. Someone needs to figure out what is relevant for today, what's relevant for that customer, what's relevant for that store. Mm -hmm. And a designer does that. There's a, still a role for designers. In fact, I think this technology will make 
more use of designers because there'll be much more um, possibility of cross-promotion with fashion design. So I think instead of doing stupid graphic T-shirts, I think we'll be able to make much more artistic clothing uh, to express um, a movie, a, a theater work, um, TV show, a museum production or something. I think we can express our ideas much more sophisticated manner in clothing using our technology and get away from crappy t-shirts <laughs> and so then there's this place of like wearable um wearable technology where you know of course watches are monitoring you know our, our heart rates and our breathing patterns and our sleeping patterns i mean that's just with like accessories but clothing has become way more uh breathable not just with like cotton mm -hmm. when we think about it, but it's actually able to help keep us warm, cool our bodies down. Um, there's so much more that fashion is encompassing in just even general wellness. It's not just about the form. It's also about functionality and bringing, I guess, more life to the body even. Mm. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, there is a lot of that, but that, I'm sorry, but I'm not following that area that well. Um, oh, yeah. I, I've been I can't really carry much watches. of a conversation on that. <laughs> yeah, I've been following these Apple Watches, but there's an innovation lab here in Orlando um, that's mm -hmm. with University of Central Florida. And I had a tour of their innovation lab, and I am not kidding. They have all of these various types of clothing that are there to truly help impact a better quality of life so that it can, you know, cool you down more quickly. It can keep you warm um, just there, through amazing type the, of technology. Yeah there's, yeah, there's a lot going on with adaptive clothing for people with handicap. You mm -hmm. um, have a hard time getting dressed or, you know, don't have um, all of the functionality that we have or the form that we have. So, um, so there's a lot of there's just genius going on with adaptive clothing and housing and appliances. That that area is blossoming, and I love that that is happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that does impact you know the whole quality of life there. So, yeah, for so many people. Tell me about the song that you have on your website, the music that plays, and how you uh, uh, obtain that. Oh, that is, um, that's my favorite story. Um, uh, so my, um, let me see. So we, uh, thank you for bringing up the adaptive clothing story because it is something that, you know, our, co our company is, we were really focused on, um, you know, how women are objectified and trying to avoid objectifying women. Um, so we we have a culture of being focused on the other um, and not wanting to wanting to treat everybody, you know, as human as possible. Even my dog, you know, mm -hmm. treat treat her pretty well. Um, so my son is um, uh, the events manager at a nonprofit uh, that's called Glad G L A A D. Um, and they, this is their 30th anniversary year. Um, and last year, um, so this is a year ago, June, 
um, we were at their annual uh, gala in New York, um, and there was a live auction. Now, we go to this, they, they have these galas in New York, London, and no, New York, L.A., and uh, San Francisco every year. Um, and we obviously go to the one in San Francisco, which happens to be this weekend, if anyone's available. Um, and we like to buy something that's in the live auction. So when we were at the New York one, there was a new item that was in the live auction that I got all excited about. Um, and it was a, just called a song. And I didn't know what it was, but I just knew I wanted it. Um, and, and the live and the auction came around to the song and I started bidding on it and my husband got like really ticked off um, because he's like, well, what is it? And I said, I don't know, but I want it. <laughs> so um, I didn't participate in bidding it up, but um, it did, you know, get to a point where I finally raised my hand and unfortunately I was bidding against the Getty family. Um, oh so goodness. I could, couldn't go far. Um, and so I had to stop real fast because I was going to get divorced really soon. Um, mm. But anyway, um, so we stopped and it, the, um, so it was very funny. The um, auctioneer was started calling my husband, you know, Brad Pitt, um, trying to get participate further. But anyhow, what they did is they divided it between the two of us. So I got a song and um, the Gettys got a song too. So what happened is that Justin Tranter, who is the most prolific song, pop songwriter of the day, um, he um, offered the opportunity to write a song for each of us um, at our direction and have it professionally produced. Um, so like Justin has written for, you know, like uh, Gwen Stefani's last album, he wrote most of those songs. He wrote Justin Bieber's Sorry, Cake by the Ocean, a bunch of songs everybody here has heard too. of, right? Yeah, those are good songs. <laughs> those are all great songs. Um, and so... Um, I talked to Justin afterwards and said, he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I listened to four of his songs and I said, I like, I don't like this one. I like these three for these three different reasons. And this is what my company does. And he's, well, it sounds like you want a joyful women's anthem. And I said, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that's what he did. Um, and he had this terrific woman singing. Um, and so I have a pop song that was written for me, um, and we use it as the uh, tune behind our our uh, company's video. I think that is a really cool story. <laughs> it's really fun. It I inspired love me. Song. I went, now I want to have a song that plays on my <laughs> website. Oh my gosh! I remember when you shared that, and I went, "That is just so cool." Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. Um, we're now. We have to take a moment for a patron announcement, and then we're going to come back and talk about some other things. But give us just a minute. Look at the mirror looking back at me. I'm going to be my own centerpiece. So tell her, don't be your own worst enemy. You're the only one to say that I want to 
think, uh, who are some women entrepreneurs that inspire you, that you have followed, that have helped shape your thinking? Oh, entrepreneurs. Um, who? Um, so I am inspired. So I don't know about on the entrepreneurial side, um, but um, I would say there are definitely women teachers that have um, stand out to me. Um, so I think of them as entrepreneurs because they're certainly um, – I think of them in that in a similar vein. So I'm gonna. I would agree with you too because yeah. as a as a teacher, you know, former teacher, I think um, for me, I sit here and go, that's about as entrepreneurial as you can get. You can. When you're in exactly. the classroom, they give you a a curriculum and they say, okay, you can deliver it as you wish, and then you're pretty much, you know, your students are your customers, so to speak, but you have to deliver, you know knowledge to them and that's part of your um, product that you're taking out there and you have to deal with parents which can be good or bad at many times but um, I think it's very entrepreneurial because when I was I used to teach middle and high school English and I would go okay how do I keep these kids engaged uh, for quite some time and it's 50 minutes in the classroom and one of the things that I did is I built a whole unit. Did you ever see the movie The Princess Bride? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. So I got that book, and I had them read it. And every other, just so you guys and across from the table from me, um, every other chapter is truly the movie. The other alternating chapters was the most boring book in the whole world. And <laughs> it was a very historical look at the, the country of Florin. Um, but it was amazing because it was truly almost the script. There was one thing that was in that book that was not in the movie, and if you want to know what that is, you'd have to read the book. But it's one of my favorite movies. Um, and when I saw the movie, I went, let's read the book. And so I had to build a whole unit around it, and I was surprised that um, it seems to be a timeless. I'm not sure. Uh, do you two ladies like this movie or know this book or anything about it? I've seen the movie before. I don't have much to say about it, but I've seen it. That's class. okay. That means you're not a fan of it. Yep. That's, I didn't want to say it, but. That's mm -hmm. okay. It's not for everybody. That's yeah. not a problem. I have never yeah. seen it. Oh. I watched it in the sixth grade. Is that the, what grade were you teaching? I, well, I taught 10th. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I was advanced. Maybe mm. not. I don't know. <laughs> well, no, I was doing it as a special unit and mm. it was at the end of the school year and it's like, how do I keep you guys entertained in the classroom? Mm. And so they, we actually did a lot of plays around it. We, hmm. you know, we had to, um, I had the students helping to create the quizzes and how were we going to reinforce this as just a lesson across the book, uh, across the rest of the six weeks of the semester. And they really had a lot of fun with it. We did like puppet shows and then that was their wow. ideas, like with sock puppets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then they were also acting it out themselves. So some of it was some drama that was in there. They really mm -hmm. liked some of the, the key phrases. And those are yeah. said over and over again. <laughs> yeah. I love Any chance you, you get. Yeah. Anyway, um, so there's this place where I think, yes, in the classroom, I think that many teachers are there. They are there as entrepreneurs, in a sense, because they are inspiring. They're creating innovation in the minds of the people that are in there. Um, but sometimes those leaders that influence our thinking are different. 
and they could be, you know, people that are just in your everyday life. Did you have some of those people that were in your life that inspired you, mentored you, anything like that, Camilla? Well, um, my um, my aunt and uncle, my my father's middle brother's family. Um, I, I have always been very close to, um, and I have to say they've been really influential in my life. Um, so, uh, I have to point to them. Um, and then my husband has been most influential on me, um, other than my teachers. Hmm. And so your, um, your husband, let's give him a special shout out. Why is it that he's, or how has he influenced your, your thinking and why do you, why does he inspire you? Um, in, in a strange way, I think right now he wished he hadn't expired me so well because um, he's retired and I'm not. <laughs> so I think he wished I'd stop. But uh, he, when we got married, um, I was a venture capitalist. Um, and I think it was four days after our wedding or when we got back from our honeymoon, I came home and I had quit my job unexpectedly, um, <laughs> just suddenly, you know, impetuously. Um, and he's like, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I just felt like it was the right thing to do. Um, but he, um, I felt with him, I had the freedom to, um, be who I needed to be and never before did I feel that and he gave me the support that I needed to be that person um, and uh, security to explore and be whoever it is I felt like I needed to be and I think that was a gift I'd never had that before in my life and it was wonderful to have I would not be here if it weren't for him well, that's really, um, I hope I hope he gets to hear this message and know that he just got a hug from you and it's, you know, on all of his <laughs> airwaves, so that's super cool. Yeah, well, it's I think it's what you should look for in the mate, somebody who lets you be you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So were you ever an intern? Did you ever do an internship? I did. Um, it wasn't called an internship at that time, I don't believe, but um, I did do that. Um, twice. Um, I, um, so I was in college. Um, and so I, I was really interested in electron microscopy as a sophomore. Um, in April, I got into my Volkswagen and got my denim skirt that I had denim jeans that I had cut into a skirt, sewn into a skirt and went to Chicago to a scientific, international scientific meeting of electron microscopists. And I was certainly the only college student there, um, one of very few women there, and just sort of thought I belonged there um, and met the people from Oxford and Cambridge. And I got an offer to come and work at, came at Oxford for the summer. Um, and I, I think that that was like an inter I consider that an internship. <laughs> and uh, so I went there. I was unpaid. Um, but uh, I worked on the first uh, STEM instrument in the world, um, helped to build the stage, 
uh, worked on one of three million volt microscopes in the world at the time. Um, learned a lot. And then the next summer I went back and worked in the Department of Ophthalmology and uh, tried to develop some techniques in looking at eyes, looking at diabetic eyes, um, looking at the retina of the eye. So those were two internships that I had. Well, those are very, um, that sounds like a really hard opportunity to get because most people are, you know, like in that world of business and that sounds, again, very, very niche. And um, it sounds like you must have stood out for you to be able to get that. Well, they thought I was crazy. Like, you know, who had ever heard of electron microscopy in 1974, you know? You know, I happened to have and I went after it. So, you know, I'm... If you find out something, that's, that's why I wanted to thank one of my teachers is that she taught me I could do anything I wanted to do. Um, you know, if you want to go do it, you can go do it. And I went and did it. Um, so not knowing things are sometimes good. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's true. That's true. Um, not knowing that you're not supposed to do that was good for me at the time. So did that end up resulting in that um, some of the work that you did, it got published in, in like those academic journals and things that, you know, are pretty impressive uh, accolades to have? Um, well, at that point, I don't think I got any accolades for that. Um, but I did get a couple things published, yes. Um, but that work is pretty well unnoticed, I think, um, as an electron microscopist that um, um, that that was not notable. It was notable only in my gumption and me getting to a place. Um, it got me to Johnson and Johnson and a job there, and uh, I moved on and did an MBA at night um, and worked my way over into venture capital. Um, you know, it taught me how to go get what I wanted to get done for myself. You know, you got like you got to go get it. Mm-hmm. Um, wow! And so, if an intern were to come and work with you at Savitude, what would that look like for them if they were to come in? So and it kind of depends on their role, right? So we've had a number of internships. We um, so when I had my fashion label and in Savitude, we've been, we are actually an official internship sponsor. You know, in the city of Palo Alto, we've been approved to do that. Um, and so we've had a number of interns from the high schools uh, here, um, and uh, you know, over the last what ten ten, 10 years. Um, so it depends on who it is, but we tend to take a really strong interest in who is here. Um, if someone is going to come and be an intern, then I take responsibility for that person and it's a one-on-one relationship. So, Mm -hmm. so right now I have a new intern and he comes in on Sunday from 10 to 12. Mm -hmm. He's a junior in high school. Um, he's recovering from a near death illness, um, with cancer. Um, he's actually the brother of a former intern. 
Um, and I, he sits next to me. He works beside me the whole time. And I talk out loud as I do whatever it is I'm doing. And, you know, I try and get them, him to engage with what I'm, you know, I do something that's age appropriate. Um, and, you know, get him to do, the, the big thing is to get him to participate. You know, I keep saying this is not a spectator sport. <laughs> you have to engage. Um, and so as soon as the, he starts reaching for his computer and does things ahead of time before I get to ask him to do it, then I know it's starting to work. Um, and uh, so, it, you know, it's kind of parallel play, but interactive parallel play. And so that once we get to a part where we have a communication, then we can start doing some work and start, you know, working on a project, and um, then it can start learning. Very nice. Well, how can um, somebody find Savitude? Uh, since you're B2B, what type of a customer are you looking for? How can they find you? And what would you like our audience to know? Um, uh, I'd like the audience to know and that we are advocates for uh, people to um, dress as the best they can, that every person can find clothes to look their best, and that there is no excuse for, not, for a store to not have clothes that fit your body, um, and that we... Our goal is for every store to be able to have clothes to fit every person. Um, so that's what we're about. Um, you can find us on www.savitude.com. Uh, we're on Twitter, uh, uh, AI, on Facebook at SavitudeAI, on Instagram at just Savitude. So you can try Savitude or Savitude AI to find us. Mm -hmm. um, we're also on YouTube. We have some. Um, they, you can also look at Savitude, uh, Savitude Women, I think. But we're trying to move that over to Savitude AI. So, well, and I, I think this is kind of a later question, or I should have asked this in the beginning. But you focus on just uh, helping women find clothing that fit. Do you have the same goal to help men? Uh, yeah, we have um, right now. We're working on the library to design for men. Oh, nice! Uh, she's just starting that now. Uh, so yeah, I think in a month or so we'll have that ready to be designing for men. Oh, that sounds beautiful! And then we'll do children. Nice. So yeah. the name Savitude it came out of what? I'm going to guess savvy and an attitude. Exactly, exactly. Okay, I made a good guess then. Yeah, you're smart. <laughs> so, um, and did you do a name change? Because I know some companies have gone through um, some iterations with, oh, this name didn't resonate with our audience. So, you know, maybe I need to change the name. Or did you know that was the name? We, we went through a number of names in the beginning um, until we got one that stuck. Um, what we have, so, and so we went to this one and this stuck. What we did go through is a lot of logos. We did a lot of logo changes. <laughs> I love your logo. We like it this one now too. Yeah. yeah. It looks like really this. great. Thank you. Yeah. We, I like it now too. Well, um, we're going to be wrapping up our show and typically what we do here at the end is, um, we give a little shout out to, 
of Valencia College and to our station manager. My goodness, I think I've called him every week now for the past three weeks. So Q, thank you. We love you as always. Um, specifically me because like I know I've been annoying you in these last three weeks. Um, state-of-the-art social broadcasting studio. We have a great atmosphere. We have knowledgeable staff. And we have this great equipment in here to use. So we're going to do some shout-outs around the room. And so, Sydney, who's your shout-out for? My shout-out is for the coffee I drink every other day. That's keeping me alive. Every other day? Every other day. Okay. Well, that means that coffee does a big job. for it. It's, it's keeping you alive for two days. Well, that and minimal <laughs> sleep. I'm trying to do better. But okay. that's just how I'm living right now. So that's my shout-out is going out to. All right. Miranda, who's your shout-out to? And don't tell me it's coffee. Make it a person. It's a different cliche. Friends and family, I love you and shout out to you. All right. Well, that's thank you very much. That's lovely. All right. Yeah. So, Camilla, mm-hmm. who is your shout out for? Oh, my shout out today is for, uh, I have three. Um, oh, you can do it. Uh, d- pardon? You can totally do that. Okay. Um, the t- uh, well, actually, maybe more. Um, so we're in two accelerators right now. So um, the NASDAQ Milestone Makers has been awesome. Um, I recommend that to anybody. Oh, my um, goodness. It is so good. I cannot yeah. say. I totally agree with you. This is yeah. like the best of the best. And then we're in another one called WXR, and, and they are amazing. And they're in partnership with Verizon. And so after today, I have to give a big shout-out to Verizon also. And then um, just with today's news, I want to give a shout-out to uh, a certain senator from California. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then anybody else? Your husband? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, my husband yeah. and my daughter and my son. Very nice, because those are your supporters. Yeah. And yeah. so my shout-out goes to the whole team that's part of Intern Pursuit. I love them. They're just making everything. Um, we're getting into this flow, and they're doing really great. And then also I want to give a shout-out to you, Camilla. So thank you for being on the show. Uh-uh. Well, thank you. Shout-out to you for noticing Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Likewise. So you're going to get a link to this, and you can certainly um, share it from the Facebook page. Uh, but we'll send you a link, and then people will be able to find this episode on um, any of the podcast channels that they follow. So you can add it to your little list of uh, your PR and your promotions. I will do that. Thank you so much. You're Take care. very welcome. Have so, a good book. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. (laughs) And so you can contact our show at info at internpursuit.tech. You can call us at 321-422-2166. And you can go to our website. And as we close the show, we want to thank you, our listeners. So we're signing off, Sydney. Look at the mirror looking back at me. I'ma be my own centerpiece, so tell her Don't be your own worst enemy You're the only one to say that I wanna be a man I get older I'm like, I'm like a supernova Goodbye, goodbye to how they used to know us Goodbye, goodbye I'm like, I'm like
my everything. I tell her you got it all in the back, baby. You're the only one to save ya. I wanna be in you when I get older. I'm like, I'm like a super supernova. Goodbye, goodbye to all these scenarios. Goodbye, goodbye. I'm like, I'm like.